Chatters. <laughs> Welcome once again to Llewellyn Hall here in Canberra. I'm Brian Schmidt, the Vice Chancellor of the Australian National University. And we begin tonight by acknowledging and paying our respects to the first Australians on whose traditional lands we meet, the Ngunnawal and Ngambri people. I pay respects to elders past, present, and I extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people here today or listening. It is great to have everyone back to Llewellyn Hall for Chat 10 Looks 3. And I know there's a whole bunch of people who are watching live stream and, of course, into the indefinite future through the podcast. So, Annabelle and Lee, it's always a pleasure to have you back at ANU. Thank you very much for joining us here uh, this evening. Certainly, over the last uh, seven or eight years, this show has become both the most terrifying thing that I do all year, <laughs> but one of the ways that we finish off the year. It reminds me that we're close to the end of the year. So tonight is one of my final events as ANU Vice Chancellor. And uh, I really think uh, I'd want to thank you very much for calling white tie. Um, what I have, uh, I, thought, I think the thought of you know, choosing you know, such a practical and comfortable form of <laughs> attire on a 35 degree day in the middle of summer, really so appreciative. welcome, Brian. One thing I do realize is that uh, there's not a lot of white tie events in Canberra because uh, when you try to purchase or rent white tie in Canberra, you cannot do it. <laughs> Indeed, it's kind of hard to do it anywhere in Australia. And so what you see tonight has been flown in express from the United Kingdom uh, <laughs> just to show how serious I am. So I am looking forward to a restful uh, time post being vice chancellor and you know I grew up in Montana, Alaska in nature and so I am looking forward to spending more time in nature. ANU of course has this great bush campus but it has been a while since I've actually ventured into the actual wilderness and so one of the great things of being in a university is that we always have an expert on something. And uh, one of our alumni recently spent 22 days in the Tasmanian bush on the SBS series Alone Australia. I believe you've <laughs> talked about her a fair bit on the podcast. So please join me in welcoming Dr. Kate Rarak to the stage. Well, Kate, it's always great to have an alumnus of your stature amongst us, and uh, I guess we have possibly people here today who work within the public service, being Canberra. Um, One or two, yeah. And so I guess the first thing I want you to reflect on is how your PhD at ANU in ecology has transformed your life. Ooh. Is this the marketing pitch here? Is yeah, it for ANU? Yeah. Um, oh. Well, you know, it's definitely the, the cool factor, all right? <laughs> Dr. Dr. Kate, yeah. Dr. yeah. Um, but no, seriously, it, it just, um, I guess it just gives you that, yeah, it does give you that bit of credibility when you apply for jobs or when you're getting in there. At, um, and it gives you the confidence rolling in, just being like, yeah, I'm a and doctor. Your PhD 
just we have a theme of people working on PhDs on birds. Ooh. So what is your PhD on? Uh, yeah, um, common miners and cavity competition um, in nest hollows. Yeah, so we, we, it's great. And you will note, I want you to see what Annabelle has on her front today. Oh, yes. Uh, a beautiful fairy wren, yes. I've actually crafted my own shelter. Yes. I feel like you <laughs> will respect this. You can use that as a net. I mean, Brian pointed out that his outfit was flown in direct from the UK. Crab's was flown in direct from the lizard enclosure at Australia Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> She looks amazing, though, I would like I to say. I have no shame, Sales, and there's no way you can force shame upon me. I reject it. <laughs> All right, Kate. Um, so, I need some advice. Advice? Whoa. I've had eight years no pressure. as vice chancellor, yep. and I possibly spent a little bit too much time in the office. So, <laughs> what am I going to do next year to get back to find the real me? Well, time outdoors, right? You've got to... Uh, I'm, I'm passionate about getting people outdoors and connecting with nature, and I think through that connection, we grow to love it and care for it. So um, my advice would be get into hiking, and um, I guess a few ways, if you're, if you're wanting the advice, uh, I'd be... Is to, number one is to build your skills slowly, but never stop learning. So it's a, a process of um, getting comfortable with nature and feeling confident. So getting your gear and camping in your backyard in Canberra, it's nice and cold and test your gear out and get that confidence and then you can just really enjoy your time outdoors. So I'm a bit worried about, you know, I've become very addicted to coffee in my job. Ooh. Now, I think you actually have YouTube videos explaining <laughs> to people how to do, you know, get the comforts oh, yes. Of, yes. of the office bout out. Yes. So I think maybe, uh, maybe you could talk a little bit through us about how we might uh, get caffeinated on the trail. Absolutely, so yeah. I think uh, we're going to need some participation. Uh, so I think... Um, we now so fortunately I'm wearing a filter, Brian, so I'm, <laughs> I'm very so happy to step oblige. one, get Annabelle. <laughs> so if we could have some stuff come in uh, off the sure, side. Bring the stuff now, in. <laughs> I'm I'm just a little worried. Are you Brian? What, what are you worried about? <laughs> I'm worried about your flammability. Well, you weren't worried about that last year when you set fire to a pizza oven on stage, Brian, so I feel like you're you're You've got some flexibility yeah, here. I'm just worried about setting fire to you, which would be much, much worse. So I'm hoping hell of a way to go out, our, Brian. Our, we're expect. Ah, oh, here we go. It's uh, coming out. And Brian, we, we have this year the standard nervous year, trolley. After last year, actually going to have a fire warden Ooh. on uh, on stage, standing by, ready to douse you if necessary. Brian, so, would you feel more comfortable setting fire to me? <laughs> I feel that he well, might. I, I'm actually, actually thinking, Lee, maybe we should use you. <laughs> okay. Look, I mean, she is the more expendable of the duo. I don't think it's fair enough. I mean... Ouch. All right, so I always like a contest. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have a contest of making Kate's coffee, but she's going to tell us how to do it. <laughs> and okay. I was going to have... Well, you're the baker, and you and me are the bakers, right? <laughs> so that's why it was going to be you. But I definitely think we should have Lee do this. But you are going to have to be the judger, and Kate, you will judge as well. Beautiful. Can so, I just share something that could be salient to this point? One of the reasons I'm scared of camping is because I'm really quite scared of fire. <laughs> <laughs> and that time that you set a fire on stage, I was like, 
poised to run off. I really am. I couldn't light a Bunsen burner in grade 11 chemistry. I'm very scared of fire. Well, the good news is they have pre-lit our Bunsen burner. Oh, okay, fine. So we're good. Oh, yeah, it's already a disaster, so mate. Move on in in your flammable All gown. Right. Okay. We have no time to lose. We need coffee, and we need it in like three minutes. Okay. So tell us what to do. All right. That's your, you're on the left, I'm on the right. Okay. And we have stuff here. Coffee. You, well, you seem to have an unfair advantage because you're on the side of the coffee. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. So I've mugged around with heaps of different coffee styles, but the one I've found is basically all you do is just get even cold water, whack your coffee beans straight in the water. Into cold water? Into cold, but oh, well, this is already I'm hot. okay with slightly okay, warm. Okay, okay. Why now, have we got fire then if it's cold, Kate? Well, I don't know. Look, just a technical magic, of, right. magic, magic of television. No, I'm going to do No such own. thing as a silly question. <laughs> And then what you do, but this is the only thing you've got to get right, is you've got to watch it, and it starts to bubble up. And when okay. the crema comes up, you've got to pull it off. Okay. Let it settle. Whack it back on. Then you're good. Turn it off. Milk. Drink okay. it. Okay. I think I'm going to call. I'm gonna Hopefully the grounds fall out. Oh. Ooh. Hang oh. On. He's done this before, oh. hasn't he? Oh. Eh? I think having a Nobel Prize in physics is an unfair disadvantage. <laughs> it's an unfair advantage. Oh, I mean. yeah. Nobody spoons international roast like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. What? Hang on, hang on. Oh, hang on. Oh, what? Oh. 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 It's not going to fit oh. on that. Oh. How oh. interesting. Embarrassing for you, Brian. That's all wobbly, isn't it? Kate's looking very concerned Look, by my on. technique. Sales, what are you but doing? I feel you're falling behind. Well, I'm actually transfixed by the colour of those flames, which are different to what the Bunsen burner colour flame was at school. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not just generally like. Scared. This is amazing audio for those listening <laughs> along at home. What's All happening? Right, so maybe I'm just going to describe the scene. We need Brian Lego. Schmidt in white tie and tails is imperiling both of those arrangements uh, by hovering over a naked flame and peering. Oh, um, Brian's actually optimistically. oddly professional, like, and it's not just the thing. The inside of it looks like actual coffee. Mine looks like kind of, Sludge. yeah, the Brisbane River. It's... it's <laughs> It's a bit washing up, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. All right, yeah. All right. so uh, Kate, I need some help here. Kate so thinks the ratio's is off. It's beginning to boil up, so you oh, reckon... Yeah. She can catch a trout with her bare hands, so... The... Catch it before it goes over. All right, getting oh, yeah. ready. One, two, three, four. Okay, look at this. Oh, wow. <laughs> a triumph by the guy who organised this whole thing. Amazing. <laughs> Just... Whoa. Hard to foresee now, that result. Do you recommend this or not? Sweetened condensed milk? Oh, look, or is that just a cheat? It's really handy when you're hypothermic. Yep. That looks like <laughs> actually a very professional cup of coffee. Like if you got served that in a, in a city Sydney cafe, you'd Let be impressed. Let the record show that one of you Australia's it's, finest it's minds has just <laughs> squirted some I condensed know, milk into a sludgy a cup. Neither of us drink. how I did. I'm so sorry, but neither of us drinks coffee either. <laughs> we were tea drinkers around here. So Kate's up for it, but then she's is eaten okay? a leech, I think, so yeah, she's okay. up for anything. <laughs> Kate, so on it. You have what we describe in my part of the world as a shit-eating grin. <laughs> it's lovely. It's yeah. lovely. Kate, <laughs> Kate if, you, if you had to drink the rest of that or eat an eel, what would you go for? Oh, look, yeah, definitely a boiled eel. I think I might, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we will finish up on the coffee. Thank you. That was uh, outstanding. Kate, it's great Thank to you. have you here. 
and uh, we will uh, <laughs> let you get on with all of the festivities oh, of tonight. Oh, Brian, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry to hear yes. that. <laughs> How yeah. about Kate? We'll allow you That's to go. Delicious. Kate Grarock, please. I just have please. a quick little present to give you. Oh, pretty. My little oh, ear. Thank you. Oh. Hopefully they're the right size. Oh. Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Eel shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Wow. For a fan of Alone Come Australia. Come on, Eel the Noise. So good. Um, Recording that shortly. Okay, now we've got a few things to say about Just Brian. Hover. You can hover there if you like, but don't heckle, Brian. You've had your go. <laughs> Um, first thing we want to say is just that we have so loved the association with ANU and with Brian. It has been so fun and we look so forward to this show every year. And that's also partly because of the audience always at ANU. You guys are always such a warm, fantastic audience. So thank you so much, everybody. And Brian in particular, because it's just like, it's always been my policy to just hang around with people that make me look smart. And I think that, you know, that's something that Brian's really done for us. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, our charity, as ever in Canberra, is Karinya House for tonight. Um, Woo! Now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there is a formal element to the proceedings and we're going to call someone on stage uh, to assist because my voice is hanging by a thread, people. And yes, the 12 days of Christmas has been written for this year, but can I tell you, 2023 has been such a shit year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't write anything funny about it. And so this year, Brian, we are celebrating, in your honour, the 12 days of Schmidtmas. And <laughs> Julia O'Shea, Platinum Chatter, waiting in the wings. <laughs> Julia, has, come on out. Come on out. Is going to assist us with the singing. <laughs> Please welcome Julia. <laughs> who works with us at the ABC. Is also a Platinum Chatter, very She's, very big yep. fan of Chat 10. Stand so in the middle, Julia, because um, it's just great better colour-wise. Okay. I bought a copy for you, Brian, as well, actually. <laughs> That's just my <laughs> supreme organisational Thank skills. you very much. There's one for you. And a pen, um, in case we need to make any revisions. Dear God, see, Julia is a spreadsheet whiz. <laughs> and she is frightening. And um, some of the things we're about to do have been organised by Julia, for which many thanks. But also, yes. she's going to lend her actually very functional voice to the singing. <laughs> Which we discovered 15 minutes ago. <laughs> 15 minutes ago. With All our right. routine degree of pre-coordination. Are right. we ready? We are. The 12 days of Schmidtmas, Brian. <laughs> On the first, first day of Schmidtmas, my Brian brought to me a very solid science degree. On the second day, he dialed up his productivity, popped off to Harvard and came back with a PhD. By the third day, he found something revolutionary. The universe is growing faster, not slowing, as had been the settled orthodoxy. Can I just interrupt there? Because 
<laughs> yes, yes, you can, because you've been so helpful. I took my children to Questacon today, and because I knew we were meeting Brian tonight, they've got the big board there that has a photo of Brian, and you know, his Nobel Prize winner, Brian Schmidt, and this is what he won the Nobel for, and so forth. And you have actually explained that 100% accurately in a 20th of the words that we used at Questacon. Well done, love. <laughs> It's almost as though I put some work into it, isn't it? <laughs> On, On the, the fourth day of Schmidtmas, the science world agreed. Brian's very wise, here's the sure prize. Try it on for size with the Gruber Prize for Cosmology. Brian had by this time met another PhD, Jenny Gordon. Another, Another super brain, he was slain, and she felt the same, so they took their vows of matrimony. On the sixth day, he turned up as smug as smug can be, eyes all a-twinkle, Brian, what now? Look at his lapel, what the hell, it's the damn Nobel, is there no end to your wankery? On, on the, the seventh, seventh day, he said, guess what, I'm your new VC. I'm great at teaching, careful, bright, you're reaching terminal bling. Fancy hat and gown, all weighed down by every gong in town. Plus an OAM worn prominently. Can I, sorry to interrupt again. But did you fact check that, that he's an OAM? Did you fact check that, Julia? I didn't fact check that, but did scans nicely. I know, I know that sa sales is an OAM. <laughs> so if sales is an OAM. <laughs> I'm actually an AM, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> but I you, can see Brian? how you make the mistake because I don't like to wear the badge. So AM's a member um, of the order. <laughs> yes. So is the OAM the dirtbag one? <laughs> Well, I just, my recollection from that time that I insulted Brian accidentally is that he is an AC. Oh, that's the really flash one, isn't that's it? That's extremely that's flash. Companion flash of the order. That's a companion yeah. of the order. Sorry, Brian. So, yeah. Sorry, Brian. But, I mean, you know, it, I think in the services of iambic pentameter tonight, Brian, you have to be an OAM. So OAM, if you can just roll with that. Thank you, Lee. You've been so helpful through this <laughs> Sorry, whole Lee. process. Sorry, Lee. <laughs> On, On the eighth day, said Jenny, so very tactfully, Dull, you're a Yankee, all your wines are skanky. The Aussie life you're choosing calls for better boozing. Drink more red wine. Okay, Brian said, I'll drink red better still instead. Let's set up a boutique winery. On the ninth day of Schmidtmas, the university opened a letter. You're gonna get a big Ramsey Centre check to present a brand new degree. Teaching why the West is the best with a special guest, Tony Abbott, who is luckily free. Well played with that one. That was very impressive. Thank you. Always nice to get a little hero gram from you. <laughs> Past the point where it's useful. Okay. 
On the tenth day of Schmidtmas, the gods of bastardry sent just to try us, bushfires to fry us, followed by a virus. Soon came the order, shut down the borders, job keeper, please. Sadly, ScoMo's view, as put to the CPSU, was that unis didn't need the money. No hard feelings, Brian. <coughs> Everything okay? All right. <laughs> On the 11th day, while cruising around the ACT, Brian asked his Tesla to play a better podcast. He was after one with frenzied laughter and a red obsession. Now he's one of seven dudes who subscribe. Booked Llewellyn Hall, made the call, dismounted bus for all, and he scored a pizza oven for free. <laughs> On, On the twelfth day of Schmidtmas, my Brian brought to me Cuneo on tuba, had one week to learn it. Carbon's properly brilliant, Cumberbatch confirmed it. Grell product placement, Brian, where's your permit? Okay, now there's really fire on stage. Brian, for us to knowing you and your bloody zoo has improved our lives immeasurably. Thank you, Brian. Okay. Oh, yes. Yes. Now, um, so, Brian, we're going to let you go in a second. But, look, we talked about this a lot. This is unprecedented. It's the, you are the first recipient of this honour, um, so it's a very big deal. The first. Yeah. And we all understand that you've got a lot of shit going on on your lapel there, and we're not, <laughs> we're not the first visitors to your <laughs> side wings, um, jacket-wise. But we wanted to award you the very first graduate diploma in Chat 10 Looks 3. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, congratulations. Congratulations, Brian. Well done. Look. <laughs> we're starting you off slow. We didn't think you were quite at a PhD stage, so... We've gone with look, the grad dip. But you've got, like, real potential. Both of us think so. Yeah. And there is a wearable that comes with this honour. And it's... If you look at our pins... Oh, yours has fallen sorry, off. No, here okay. it is. Mine says, not a wanker, in honour of the memorable occasion on which I showed up not wearing my Order of Australia pin and Crab pointed it out and I said, look, I just don't really like to wear it very often because it makes me feel like a wanker. And Crab said, but Brian's wearing his. <laughs> so mine says, not a wanker. Brian says... Wanker. <laughs> <laughs> Just couldn't get a little snap of that. Um, and mine, I mean, I've got a special one made because I'm special. Um, Crabs is in, Crabs is in Latin. Mine is in Latin because that's the kind of person I am. Oh, you don't want me in the photo, obviously. I don't, no. My, my bad. Get your fingers out of the way, Brian. Come on. You're talented in some ways. Yeah, there you go. Yep. <laughs> Great. Um, mine says, what does mine say? Can you read it? Yours says, 
Minor plus est. Which is the Latin for less is more, people. Less is more. <laughs> and uh, because I have no decorations, that is my motto. And I won't change Brian, it until somebody you. gives me a goddamn award. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, good. I'm so happy that the fire safety warden is back to um, remove that from the stage so I can actually not be stressed out for the entire rest of the show. <laughs> you had a fire in your kitchen once and then you called, oh, like you absolutely went to pieces, as I recall. I did. I'm terrible. I've, what I've learned is I'm kind of competent at some things, but I'm bad in a kind of um, practical emergency. And I put, I was cooking something in the oven. I had it on a high shelf at extremely high heat and I do not know why I did this but I put baking paper in and it caught fire and I looked in the oven and I saw that it was on fire and that caused me to panic and then I opened the door and that clearly caused me to panic further because then the fire got a bit bigger. So I shut the door, I, I was like I don't know what to do and there was a fire extinguisher under the sink and I kind of looked at it and was like and so then I ran out the front door, I ran to the neighbours, I dinged on their ding dong and then I thought Oh no, I just, I, no. and then I ran back into the house, and this was only like six months ago, um, and then I rang my ex-husband and said, there's a fire in the oven, I don't know what to do, and he said, you did like year 11 chemistry, how can you not understand, like, just don't open the door, it'll burn itself out, if you starve it of oxygen, it's going to be fine. Um, anyway. Is there anything more annoying than a calm person explaining something oh. sensible to you? When you're in a flap. Is it's, there? I don't think there is. But I mean, I also agree with Phil. Especially when it's your ex-husband. <laughs> so, but then of course, because I was in a flap, I didn't, I found it difficult to heed that advice. So then I opened the door of the oven again. <laughs> and I took it out and then using a wet towel, um, which what? Phil had also <laughs> told me to do. He said, Get, just wet a towel and throw a wet towel over it. So I wet a towel. I used the wet towel to get it out of the oven. And then I took it into the backyard and I just threw it into the garden. <laughs> And luckily the garden didn't catch fire, it was fine. <laughs> but it was stressful. I don't like fire. <laughs> well, it's been a marvellous evening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Canberra Show is always our favourites for the year. Did you not come out with any notes? <laughs> are you gonna, how are you going to actually, are you going to talk through that or are you going to like fold it down and put the mic Actually up? not sure yet. I am... Um, I almost wore this dress to Lee Sales's Andrew Ollie lecture and I sent a picture of myself in it. <laughs> it's a great dress. I love it. Sure, but can you remember what your response was? No. What was it? You're like, love. That's an amazing dress. But this is a journo black tie function, <laughs> which basically means, what does it mean? I don't know. What did I say? You just said, basically, people will put their least filthy pair of shoes on, like... <laughs> It'll look massively out of place. Also, it's a dinner. How will you eat? And I, you know, I accepted all of those points and I wore something else. It's very, it's very Lady Gaga. It is, right? Yeah, mm. it looks great. Yeah. I bought it online. It's a sort of Carla Zampatti thing that nobody else bought because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> but I love it. And now, I mean, I'm already amortising the, uh, the cost of purchase by wearing it once. <laughs> what if you, like, fold the flap and then... No, I choose not to. <laughs> I 
feel like I've picked a lane and now I need to swim in it. <laughs> also, I'm perfectly audible like this. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, best of all, nobody could see your face. It's great. <laughs> it's been well, a lovely been year, thank you. Terrible to you tonight. Um, okay, 20 Canberra shows always our best of all of our content for 2023. I've got to say, when I went through the con my lists for this year, I was shocked because it feels like this year went incredibly fast, and yet I looked at some of the things and went, that was this year? That feels like five years ago. It was kind of shocking. That may be to do with your pattern of not watching things until they're already ancient. Maybe. Okay, so favourite film of the year. Um, I had two. One was the Wham! doco, titled Wham! Exclamation mark. Um, I absolutely adored it. Andrew Ridgely was man of the year as far as I'm concerned, uh, and it was wonderful. My other favourite was much more highbrow, which was the film Past Lives. If anyone hasn't seen it, I predict... Crab I haven't so seen it. Crab is so sick of hearing me talk about Past Lives. Um, I'm never going to watch it, <laughs> I predict it's going to do well at the Oscars this year, in 2024. Uh, it's the story of a Korean-American woman who has grown up to about age 11 or 12 in South Korea. She's friends with a, a young boy there. Her family migrates to Canada, and then she grows up in Canada and then studies in the United States, and she's living in New York. They, uh, so they say goodbye when they're children, they reconnect in their early 20s via Facebook and Skype and kind of renew their friendship. Then another kind of decade passes. He's never left South Korea. And then he, she's married. He comes to New York for a kind of three-day visit and meets her and her husband. And that's pretty much the sum total of the plot. But it is the most moving, affecting film. It's one of the best things I've seen in years. I loved it. It's so interesting because you've told me about this film so many times. And actually, intellectually, I recognise that I would really like this film. And yet, when recently I was on a long plane flight and it was there, I just went... Just going to read my book. Oh, I don't know. God. I, just, like, I just felt... I just, like, I will watch it. I'll watch it once you stop wanting me to watch it. <laughs> and I, don't, I can't explain that. But anyway, I've found when I was looking back over, I mean, essentially, we just, I look back over the notes of the podcast over the last year because I, I literally cannot remember a single thing I have read or watched or listened to this year. And when I turned my mind to it about 90 minutes ago, I thought, whoa, <laughs> what have I got to say? And then when I look back, I thought, there's a real pattern to my viewing and my reading this year because it's been a bit of a tricky year, a bit of grief going on. All the things that I have loved have all been about how people deal with dreadful things happening. Like, and some of them have been really chipper things, but you know, basically the things that I've loved this year have been how people deal with hardship or just ridiculously funny, stupid stuff that makes you laugh. And so my favourite movies. Now, I've got a short list of two. I know that I'm not allowed to have those, but like... <laughs> I gave two, up. so... Yeah. So, um, still, the Michael J. Fox movie, um, I watched and just sort of wept through and also just thought it was not only the story of an incredible relationship and a person talking very openly about how they deal with... Um, changes in their own body, but also just technically such an incredible piece of work to lovingly and painstakingly craft the story of Michael J. Fox by going through every single second of television that he's ever made and finding these relevant moments from 
family ties or back to the future or whatever to build this very compelling and moving story. So I love that. But, and I think this is my favorite movie of the year because, well, you know, it's an Australian film and because even like tonight, every year when we come here, we like are in partnership with Karina House. And I think that this movie tells the story of somebody who sought the kind of assistance that Karina House gives. The movie is Shader, um, and it's still in cinema, so you can still see it. It's Australia's submission to the Academy Awards for the international film um, category, um, and it's made by director Nora Niasari. It's based on her life story when she came as a child um, from Iran to Australia and saw her mother and accompanied her mother going through um, family violence and seeking assistance in a, um, a women's shelter. And anyway, it is a movie that is about very hard things but also is just full of beauty and the actors um, who play... <laughs> Shada and her daughter are the most extraordinary um, pair and um, it's, yeah, Zara Amit Ibrahim is the woman who plays Shada and little Mona, the daughter, is played by Selena Zahedria. So um, it's a glorious, glorious film and that is my film of the year. That, I loved both of those things as well. The, the foreign film shortlist for the Oscars comes out on the 21st of December and I'm eager to see has that actually made it because I agreed that was a wonderful, wonderful film. It's won lots of prizes already so... Big fingers crossed because it's super Worth it. good. Yeah. Um, so television. I watched a lot of television this year. Far, when I looked at the list of stuff, I had far more TV picks than book picks this year. Um, so and I that's think because you're very shallow, love. I, <laughs> I think probably the thing that I <laughs> that I most um, that I think was probably the best thing I saw was the Connor's wedding episode of Succession. And, and that was the thing that I most felt like, oh my God, that was this year? That feels like was so... Was that this year? I, I just counted year. it. I assumed it was last year. That seems like so long ago. That was just a, an incredible bit of television. I think like one of the best episodes of, you know, for me, right up there with my other favourite, all-time favourite TV episodes, like the last episode of The Sopranos and the um, uh, White Pines, or whatever it's called, episode of The Sopranos. White Pines? Oh, sorry. I thought white, you were, um, I thought no, you were getting called White, white Pines. Confusion. It's called um, White... Can anyone remember what that very famous episode of Sopranos is called? What? What? Ducks. Ducks? No, it's not the one with the ducks. It's the one where Paulie and Christopher get lost out in the snow after they've had to go and bury the Russian's body. Does anyone know it? It's one of the most famous episodes of The Sopranos and it's, it is, it's like a play. It's absolutely incredible. Anyway, sorry about that. <laughs> um, so that, that episode of Succession... The show that I was the most invested in and so I was thrilled to get to meet Kate Grarrock in person was Alone Australia. Oh, my level of emotional investment in that was off the charts. Um, Can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> and then there were two others that I absolutely adored, both of which were sporting documentaries, which is one of the strangest twists of my life that I'm so obsessed with sporting documentaries. Um, Beckham. Yeah, if anyone hasn't watched that, it's the perfect kind of summer Christmas watch. It's just really great. And it sends you on so many rabbit holes into Spice Girls videos and watching Beckham goals and all sorts of stuff. Um, and all of the, you know, Googling of them at various functions and their outfits and so forth. And also uh, on Netflix, there's a series called Untold Stories and there's one about Australia winning the America's Cup. And it is, John Bertrand is the most riveting talent and it, they've done the most brilliant job of, 
putting all of that together. Actually, yeah, that whole series is really yeah. good. Um, yeah, I've watched a bit more sport than I was expecting to this year as well, to be honest. Yeah, because yeah, Beckham's definitely on my shortlist. And wow, I did not really expect to love that TV show, but I, I really did. In terms of emotional investment in things, I probably should have said the Matildas game with the penalty. I mean, you know. That was unbelievable. Yeah, that was like a very consuming, just <laughs> bushfire of passion that like, I reckon just, I don't know, I, my whole family just got so into those broadcasts. Um, and maybe we watched Beckham after that as well. So I was like, oh, maybe football can be interesting. I don't know. But also, just you love to find a person who is a famous person who then you kind of get to know through the format of interviews and you think, oh, you're just the weirdest little creature, aren't you? <laughs> and, like, that, that is the magic. And the moment where I just thought, David Beckham, you are... I, I would like to know you, is the point where he's just, like, leaning around the corner and needling Victoria about oh. what kind of car her dad drove. That was when, so at, superb. At school, because she's like, oh, my parents, you know, really showed me how to battle and, you know, just from a very, you know, working-class background. And he's just sticking his head around the corner of, the, like, literally the dunny and just saying, what car did they drive? What car did they drive? <laughs> Victoria. No, no, just answer me. And she's like, well, they battled, you know, they worked no, hard. No, be honest. Like, be honest, be honest. And she's like... Okay, they drove a Rolls Royce for a bit, and he goes, "Thank you, thank you." <laughs> that but would have been. That was like a great, you know. I would have been proud to have done that on seven thirty. Oh, I thought he nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. spectacular. So, um, but with TV and like, there's like ridiculous amount of yeah. No, there's um, a lot of really good. <laughs> Everyone, Annabelle Crabb. <laughs> that this um, frock is doing is like hiding my hair which is like the dirtiest it's ever been which is why it's very flat it's just super greasy so I've just taken my advice from my friend Lee Sales who once told me girl ain't no shame in a ponytail and I'm like absolutely That's right. so I've just got and now I've got like again not much fun for people listening from home but like just for the visuals I am I have my hair scraped back into a ponytail and I'm wearing a ridiculous black dress that has a sort of a frill neck lizard uh, ruff that is obscuring my entire face but in a sort of diaphanous way one of my favourite words in the entire <laughs> English language, and I'm thrilled to be able to use it. So, um, anyway, so TV, um, incredibly good amount of terrific Australian television around this year. I loved uh, Bay of Fires. I loved Deadlock. I loved Fisk. Oh, yeah. My God. Can Fisk get any better? I don't know. Every season it gets better. So good. Um, but for stupid laughing stuff, and this is, you know, I feel a bit not very patriotic, but for a TV series that just made me pointlessly laugh until I felt a bit unwell, Kunk on Earth. Oh, yes, of course. I yeah. just, so dumb. Oh, yeah. And so rewarding. Oh, that was, I laughed just, my ass off at yeah, that. That was just, fantastic. You know, 
when there's just aggressively no point, and yet it's oh. just so funny. And then, but there is a bit because you learn some things, even though you feel embarrassed about the fact that you're learning something from something so ridiculous. But anyway, um, yeah, loved that as well. I loved it. Yeah. Anyway, but all of the other things have given me a great amount of pleasure. Okay, fiction. Oh, so tough, mate. Yeah. Um, I do have my favourite fiction from the year and we've discussed it at length and we also did a book club on it. I still think that Nina Wan's The Albatross is my favourite novel of the year because I picked it up totally at random and loved it and it's a, you know, first-time author who has written this novel that is about golf and it is about illness and it's about race, but it doesn't get to be about race straight away. I just thought it was a really sophisticated, fascinating, very funny book. And as I read it, I thought, how is this your first novel? You're a disgrace. (laughs) And then I felt bitter. And that for me is the test of a terrific novel. I mean, one of the novels that I read this year that I loved a lot, and um, I talked to my your and my friend Sophie about this book. She recommended it to me and so did a couple of other people. Um, the book called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. Um, and Sophie said to me, oh, I was reading this book and I thought, God damn it, this is the most accomplished novel. It's so funny and erudite and smart. If this is your first novel, lady, I'm just going to absolutely lose my mind. And then she got to the end. She refused to Google the author while she was reading it. She got to the end, and it's like her ninth novel or something. So she's like, I'm, a, I'm able to love this now and forgive you for the brilliance of this book because you've been at it for a while. <laughs> See, I, I didn't mind that, but I didn't absolutely love it. Ooh, it was okay. I thought it was girl, okay. But I know, what? It, I know it's got some big fans. So I came again late Sorry, to... back up the truck. What, what didn't you like about that book? I, I didn't not like it. I just didn't love it. I thought it was like, yeah, this is okay. It's holding my interest, but it didn't, like, blow my mind. The one bit that did blow my mind... Okay, so... It, it did a bit blow your mind then. Well, there was one bit that I thought was really well done. Can you reconcile this with your earlier remark that it didn't <laughs> blow your mind? I mean, to me, that seems like a straight contradiction. Thank you, David Beckham. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the, there's a... The, this isn't a spoiler because this is how it kind of starts. There's a young boy who's in a hospital and he's been involved in a bad accident. And the narrative kind of sweeps you along and you get distracted from what actually occurred in the accident. And then suddenly halfway through the book, they take you back to the moment of what occurred in the accident. And I realised, oh, I stopped thinking about that chapters and chapters ago. I just kind of got swept into the story. But because by then it was such a clever device, because by this point you're very, very invested in the character... And then suddenly you're given this detail of something that happened to them when they were a child. And I thought it had so much more of an emotional punch because you were invested in the character. But overall, I don't know. certainly sounds like a reason why that book was average, yeah. I mean, you've really made your case. I just, overall, I just found it like, yeah, it's okay. I think Um, that I, because I, like, I knew that, I read on the back flap that it was a book about gaming and I'm not very interested in gaming. So I thought, this is going to be a bit of a yawn. And then it really, really wasn't. Well, most people are with you on that because it's a very popular book that people have loved. So you've got the... Your opinion on it is more in line with mainstream taste than mine, I think. (laughs) I I feel like that's a burn. 
that and I'm like, not I quite. meant that as a compliment. Did you? I wow. did. What's wrong with you? Most people... <laughs> you my, are I, doing it wrong, baby. Most, most people think that was a good book. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I read, I feel really lowbrow now because what I was going to nominate oh, for yeah, my favourite fiction was, and I was late to it, was The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman. Which you finally started reading. I know, I was very late, but absolutely, what a... I just also was riven by, you know, oh, why didn't I have this idea? It's so good, it's so... And it's so beautifully executed. You wouldn't have done it as well, to I be wouldn't honest. Have, I would not have done it. I'm with you, I would not have done it as well. And then the second book, I listened to the audio version, which I don't often do, and I love that. And now I've been saving book three and book four for Christmas holidays. And then just to get me back on my highbrow cred, I read on holidays and, and was one of my favourite books of the year, Norwegian Wood by Murakami. Um, that was a masterpiece and it was one of those famous books that I'd never got around to reading and then I was like, all oh, right, yep, yeah, okay. A this masterpiece, Lee Sales. This is why, yeah. Why isn't the rest of the world onto this Nobel Prize <laughs> winner? Has anyone heard of this Murakami? He's amazing. Yeah, so it was, that was absolutely fantastic. Not we went fiction. to the Ubud Writers Festival uh, earlier this year and I got about 36 hours of that while she was reading it. I'm like, mm, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I understand that that is a quality novel. Yeah, thank you. And then a deep dive in our Hobart show about the parallels between the song Norwegian Wood and the, and the narrative structure of the novel Norwegian Wood. Was... Do catch up with that on podcast <laughs> when you're next massively high. <laughs> Okay, non-fiction, actually, and I'm not just saying this, it legitimately was my favourite non-fiction book of the year, was the book that Brian gave us at the show last year. This is not a book about Benedict Cumberbatch by Tabitha Carvin. I absolutely loved it. Um, I started reading it on the way home on the plane and got hooked into it and was finished it within about 36 hours and texted Crab and went, that book Brian gave us, I absolutely loved it. And Crab was like, you just only got given that yesterday. You finished it already. I was like, yes, I am. Um, It's basically a book about how it's okay to be passionate about something even if people think you're a bit of a weirdo. And it's really funny. It's very clever. And I just utterly adored it and have recommended it to many people. Yes, she has. I can testify to that. I actually read it as well, but then I still had to endure the explanations of what it was about, <laughs> like, consistently, which was entertaining because I agreed. <laughs> but, yeah, tremendous, tremendous book. I love that as well. Um, <coughs> yeah, and I guess that is a non-fiction book, of course, but I, you know, I don't really count it. I don't know why. Maybe because it was so entertaining. Anyway. As um, you say, though, you forget stuff. Like, when you said Kunk on Earth, I was like, oh, how yeah. did I forget Kunk on Earth? And yeah, but anyway. Yeah. Um, my non-fiction, okay, so I've got four finalists. I hope you'll just <laughs> bear with me. So um, Kate Legg's book, Infidelity, was... Oh, like, yeah. I mean, I love a scorching memoir that just says, this is what happened, deal with it. And Kate Legg, who is one of Australia's great, great feature writers, a great noticer of human quality and fallibility, has written this book about herself and her own marriage and, um, and my old boss cheating on her, which I have got to say is absolutely not completely immaterial to my interest in the, in the book, but also it's an extraordinary account of, you know, the breakdown of a marriage and about infidelity. And I also weirdly thought that he actually came out of it 
with an obscure kind of grace, weirdly enough. Anyway, it's really worth reading. Um, and I refer you back to my earlier statement about how I'm just basically interested in reading books about how people are messed up, so I ask you to bear with me. Um, recently read Julia Baird's book, Bright Shining, which is, I don't know, like it's been such a terrible year, like if you're a, any kind of carbon-based life form, I reckon, on this planet. Um, and Julia's book, which has just come out, which is about the power of grace, is, um, but it also involves some very interesting stories about Napoleon's penis. Um, so it's got exactly the kind of wild variety that I enjoy, but also has exactly what you're looking for in Julia Baird, which is intense research and thoughtfulness and beautiful writing. I just have loved reading that book and I absolutely hoovered it up. Um, I also loved, with a violent passion, Marina Hyde's book, What Just Happened, which is basically just a collection of her Guardian columns. And I can't think of anything that gives me more joy than knowing that it's Sunday and there'll be a new Marina Hyde column. I mean, in the worst parts of the COVID, Boris Johnson debacle, the only thing that really gave me joy was reading Marina's scorching assessment of it all. Um, and now you can get it in book form. And I do have to disclose that when, on the occasion of our 10th anniversary of this podcast, we go to London next year in July to do a ridiculous flex, um, <laughs> Marina is going to join us at that show. Yes. And that is something that I'm, like, it's just, a star that I'm travelling towards <laughs> with great delight. However, my favourite, and this is going to really rock your socks because it's not my normal thing, the, the, my favourite non-fiction that I've read this year is Matthew Perry's memoir. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. I picked it up accidentally and I started reading it. Not even a massive Friends fan. Not even. Um... The things that I didn't know about Matthew Perry would, like, you could squeeze into the Wembley Stadium, but I could not put that book down, and that is because it checks all the boxes of my memoir requirements, which is that it was unbelievably raw, and I don't think he left anything out, and I read it before he died, and when he died, I was extremely sorry. Wow. Um, that book, it's one of those ones where when he died, I felt like, oh, I should have read that. But, you know, there's nothing to stop me reading it now. But you won't, will you? I probably won't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll read that when you watch Past Lives. I <laughs> know. Oh, okay, I'm happy to do that deal. So there's this bit in the book where I just thought, I think it's sort of like it's an educational book because it's written by somebody, it's written well, by the way. It's a, like... It's a capable piece of writing, um, and I think he wrote it himself. Um, and there's this point that I would just never forget in the book where he's already like nine seasons into Friends. He's one of the most famous actors in the world. The entire cast know that he has got an out-of-control kind of wildfire drug problem. They're all like sticking by him, which is impressive in itself. And he has a habit that requires him to take 55 Vicodin a day in order not to get high, but just to not be sick. 
And he's got doctors, he's got dealers. He's incredibly well-known and recognisable, so it's hard to pull off. And at the weekends, he goes and does open inspections of luxury houses because he's also got a real real estate fetish. And while he's there, he goes through the bathroom cupboards to steal drugs if he can. Far out. He's being paid a million dollars a week. Wow, poor dude. And amazing that that group of actors, everyone had his back and none of that was leaking at the time. It was incredible. Okay, podcast. Um, funny that you raised Marina Hyde, and I've only listened to two episodes of this podcast because it's brand new, but it's rocketed straight up to my favourites. The rest is entertainment, which is Marina Hyde and Richard Osman, the author of The Thursday Murder Club. It's actually very similar in vibe and content to Chat 10 Looks 3. It's a is culture. It, though? It's it a is bit smarter. <laughs> more qualified. I don't know. They're actually very nice to each other. That's the key point of difference. <laughs> I'm hoping it's going to get a bit more vicious because I listened to it as straight as that, like as soon as that dropped. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I loved it. Um, the other thing I really enjoyed is a podcast. because so, it deals with real trash TV, which is your department. Yeah, they, they're really going for culture that everyone's talking about. They're not introducing you to esoteric stuff you've never heard of. They're, they're talking about... Squid. Well, they are to me because, like, well, they talk about Squid Game, which I've never squid watched. Squid Game Challenge, Beckham. But also they talked about Traitor. Like, yeah, I've read that down watched watch. that? Right, because, I mean... They were, they were raving talk- about it. Yeah, so they were talking about Squid Game and I found that really interesting. I haven't watched any of it because it's, I thought it sounded horrible and also like a time suck, so I didn't watch it. And also, it was like the number one thing ever, which always turns me off. I'm just like, <laughs> no, not for me. Anyway, um, but then in the second half of the first podcast episode of this thing, they were talking about the Australian series of a show called Traitor, which both of them describe as just sort of like auteur-level television. Funnily, funnily enough, even though they both claim to be fans of it, they caused me to Google it and they had the name wrong. It's called The Traitors is the oh. name of the show. So, oh. I don't know. Maybe a misplaced plural. Pl- Marina. <laughs> uh, the we'll other raise that with her in July. In the other podcast I really loved, I'm just going to try and move us along because we've still got a lot to get through and we're going to run out of time. The other I love podcast it when we get I really to this loved, point is The Whistleblowers, which is an ABC background briefing pod, which caught me by surprise how much I loved it. It's about people who you've never heard of, but who are the people behind very prominent stories that came to light, that exposed corruption. It was really great. It's really good. And the way that you find it is you go to background briefing on the ABC Listen app and you've got to dig through and it is absolutely worth it. If you search for The Whistleblowers, you'll be like, well... Well, I want it. But, like, you can find it, background briefing or ABC Listen, definitely worth it. Um, And it's actually shocking, you know, to to hear what a bunch of these people who took big risks to expose big stories um, went through. Um, So I've listened to a number of podcasts this year. (laughs) The thing that just made me irrationally lose my mind with laughter, and I'm not proud of this, is um, who shat on the floor at my wedding? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just... And I, I do... I like to improve myself through podcasts. I really do. I listen to all of the, like, you know, smart ones and everything. But this, like, New Zealand couple of chicks mounting an investigation with various bodgy investigative devices and their hilarious accents to work out who laid a snapper on the floor 
of the bathroom, of the boat that they hired for their wedding is just so ludicrously laugh out loud funny. I just couldn't, I mean, it just gave me just an unparalleled amount of joy. And I, I don't apologize. Uh, okay, favorite cultural experience of the year? Am I going first? Well, you can or I can. What do you, uh, you go first. Because okay. yours will be impressive and mine will be just like underwhelming. Um, okay, so super predictable for me. The London Symphony Orchestra came out in May and that was amazing. Probably my favourite thing would be the meeting Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, did you meet him? I did. Oh, I must have. I like, did, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure like if I you didn't. know. Yeah. I hosted a special with just, did you? just me and him. Is that still available? We did a song together with me playing the piano. It was, did you? Yeah. yeah. He loved me. <laughs> Um, but also, I forgot that it happened this year, and it, was, it wasn't one of my favourites, but it was just so hilarious and funny. Was, do you remember when I went, when the Sydney Festival had that experience where you could go and stay alone in that <laughs> room? <laughs> that wasn't surely in the last year. That was this year. Get yeah. out! Early this year. It was in January this year. Do you remember year. this? Like, can you just recap? So it's like... They had this... There's one a, of the most ridiculous things you've ever done. There's a building in Sydney. I forget what it's actually called, but it's at this the This is going well, isn't it, as an anecdote? <laughs> it's like... There's called, a building. It's like the Mushroom Building. It's at the MLC Centre. It's this architecturally very unusual building. And Is you it can't... the MLC Centre? It's right next to it, okay. yeah. Um, and it's been owned by this kind of travel association. Travelling salesmen used to stay in it. And it's, it's a, I think it's a Harry Seidler design building. It's this round thing. It looks kind of like a UFO. You can't get into it. Um, and so the Sydney Festival got it. And they had it for this thing where it was called Lucid. And you could go in and stay overnight in there and then... For at 10.30pm it started this music program of this music that was meant to promote kind of lucid dreaming and so forth. Anyway, the whole thing had such Twin Peaks vibes. When I arrived, I arrived at the same time as a couple and then I realised, oh, right, this is a sex thing. I missed the memo. <laughs> You've just brought your bunny pyjamas and, you know, I, yeah, exactly. your toothbrush. I was like, oh, yeah, this is a drugs, alcohol and sex thing and I've not realised that. So I'm like, oh, hello, I'm Lee Sales, oh, ready, hello, to, hello. ready to have some lucid dreams. <laughs> um, and so they put you in a little room that's very like, you, it was so spartan, it was like you did expect to open the drawer and see a Gideon's Bible. It really looked like you're in a movie set from a kind of travelling salesman hotel. And then... Wouldn't, um, be, wouldn't probably matter if you were having athletic sex already. <laughs> right. <laughs> Rather so. than just... Looking around. I, kept, I kept, I was kind of creeped out thinking, I just kept waiting for like someone to knock on my door. I kept thinking, is this it? Like, is something weird going to happen? Who, who did you think would be knocking on the door? The couple I met at reception to ask if I wanted a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> it had that vibe. Um, and then I just kind of, I was texting my friend who was just like, helpless with hysteria like what are you doing and anyway so um and then the music started at 10 30 and then I just fell asleep and then periodically I'd wake up and I'd be like yeah the music's still going and then I got up at 6 30 went for a walk around the harbour went home and that was it <laughs> didn't have any sex <laughs> and that is your cultural experience for <laughs> A quiet night in. Like I in said. Which you slept in a single bed, <laughs> listened to some music for a bit, but then zonked out and then went for a walk. No, I love it. Like I said, I mean, it was out of that and Lin Manuel Miranda. I mean, <laughs> sure. Okay. Far out. Okay. Um, so, remember when I last lost my voice? 
Yes. As opposed to oh, like yeah. 30 minutes from now. Yeah. Uh, it's been a bit of a year for that. Um, I lost my voice for two weeks and we did a show in <laughs> Perth when I was mute and I um, did some mime. You mimed it. Yeah, I did. Um, and after that, I went on a family holiday to Japan because we'd been planning this for four years. It had been cancelled many times to the great profit of various airlines. <laughs> we finally went. But I had no voice for most of the time. But actually, it was quite relaxing. Um, and when my voice started coming back, it only came back in the sort of when you breathe through the... What's that called down the bottom? Like diaphragm. The, the diaphragm. And so I was only audible when I did sort of like... Solange. <laughs> I was just like yelling at my children, Solange, in the streets of Tokyo. Um, and we went to um, a, uh, a museum there um, called, oh, God. It's called, dear God, someone help me. Oh, Team, um, team Labs Tokyo. Team Labs Tokyo, yeah. yeah, Team Labs Planet. Yeah. And the weird thing is, you can't, like, you don't speak anyway, so all you do is just sit there and kick back and relax and there's all of this sort of visual stimulus. I was with my kids, it's, you know, you're wading through water, you're seeing incredible visuals. It's like a very occupying place to be and I found that after I walked out, I had my bits of my voice back. Wow, from so, being relaxed. And yep, actually it was just... really interesting. And so, anyway, that's been part of my little voice journey. But that's not my event of the year. Um, my cultural experience of the year that I found the most moving, actually, <laughs> not dissimilar to you, involves me a bit. Um, I interviewed um, Asma Khan at um, the Sydney Writers Festival. She is a chef, um, a cook, a home cook really, um, who has established this incredible restaurant in London called the Darjeeling Express. And she moved from India to Oxford, not being able to cook, felt lonely, was isolated went back home, learned to cook from her mum and then started this sort of supper club in her house in Oxford without the knowledge of her husband, which is very funny because it involves her just procuring like millions of plastic chairs from Ikea and then hiding them from him. Because <laughs> he was like an academic and he was like travelling a bit. She's like, okay, darling, nothing going on here. Anyway, now she runs this ridiculous ridiculously successful restaurant, the Darjeeling Express. And I don't know, I met her and just hit it off with her in such a deep, funny way. I loved her. And you can still, like, you can hear the conversation that we did at the Sydney Writers Festival on the Sydney Writers Festival sort of podcast stream. But, like, I really found her company so diverting and entertaining and inspiring and I just loved her so much. Perfect. <clears throat> Perfect segue to favourite cookbook this year. Oh, look, that's tough because um, I've got sort of two and I've got both of their names wrong over the year because... So, I don't know, maybe there's a, a trend at the moment for just calling cookbooks really simple things. So, like... so. 
Nagi Maheshi, who oh, does yeah. recipe tin eats, I've been using her recipes for years just because they're so reliable on her website. And this year she published a cookbook called Dinner, which I immediately bought. And it's one of those books that you go to when you're looking for the definitive technique for a dish that you vaguely want to cook. Always works out. I've got my kids to go through it and put like post-it notes and, you know, so good. Um, but the other one that I've absolutely gone berserk for this year is Karen Martini's um, oh, yeah. giant brick of a book, which is called Cook. Um, I confidently called it Food uh, for the first <laughs> 20 to 30 times that I've mentioned it on this podcast, and that's because it's double O. It's a very simple word. Like, I mean, jeez. I mean, I'm not sophisticated, but, like, that is a book where you're like, ah, how do I make a, you know, sauce vierge or something? Like, it's got everything, and you feel like this is a woman who has gone down every rabbit hole and has perfected every weird little thing that you might ever have a question about and then generously put it into a nicely designed and manageable book. And I am full of gratitude for that. So I've got both those books. I've cooked out of Nagi's quite a bit. I haven't even cracked Karen Martini's Far because out, I'm intimidated it's, by it because it's no, so fat. Uh, 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 and uh, uh, uh. it also makes me think that I'm cheating on Stephanie Alexander. <laughs> Do you know what? The great thing about Karen's book is that it neatly diffuses that anxiety in the first chapter. Like, if you bothered to read it, you would know that <laughs> in the intro, she's like, I am obsessed with Stephanie Alexander's Kitchen Bible. This is, like, this is not supposed to be a replacement. <laughs> it is an adjunct. This is the things that I've made that I've loved. And I have both of them, and I do not feel that they are in competition in any way. And I also feel unusually for a sort of 900-page cookbook, it is very, very suitable for reading from the front all the oh. way through. You don't have to read... I know. Listen to that. Ooh. <laughs> so at the front, I was drawn in by the account of various sauces and dressings and actually... This is a woman who has done the hard yards of testing, like, what is the greatest sort of Japanese salad dressing? What is the greatest... I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there. She has tested, she's experimented, she acknowledges where all of these recipes come from. This is clearly the book that has been compiled with love over a lifetime by a person who is full of curiosity about food. And I just found it a page-by-page, putting post-it notes in oh. sort of read. And I know the way that you employ cookbooks and I sort of fear what will happen when you open this one because <laughs> you tend to go, like, from the beginning, cook everything all the way through. But it is a bit... It's also alphabetical, you know, yeah, right. with, with ingredients So if I had some stuff. asparagus, I could look up asparagus and then I'll Oh, you, go, you so. absolutely for sure could. But, like, it wouldn't be a disloyalty to Stephanie, just to be clear. <laughs> and Karen me. makes that clear as well. <laughs> me, so there's no awkwardness. It's fine. It's like an open relationship. 
that everybody's okay with. <laughs> Reminds me actually of one of my favourite moments in an ANU show was when Brian, I think, was cooking the pizza and Stephanie Alexander was doing the live coaching via yep, video right. hookup. Um, so cookbooks, I, it, whenever you ask me what are my favourite cookbooks for the year, I always just go, well, what a what have I cooked out of the most this year? And they're Belinda Jeffries' two books, A Year of Sundays and In Belinda's Kitchen. Absolutely delicious home cooking, um, but just so much better than what you'd kind of rifle around and come up with yourself, but always very straightforward and del- I haven't cooked oh, a single Oh, I've seen thing. your rifling. I haven't cooked a single thing that hasn't been delicious out of her books. Now, before we hand back to Brian, um, just... Oh, is it that time already? It is. All right. Um, just give us a quick rundown. Well, I'll give you a quick rundown first of what I'm going to... What's on my summer reading list and watching list that I'm Can hoping just, to get to. Are we, are we not going to talk about our favourite moment from the podcast Oh, sorry, this you told... Year? Yes, you did want to talk about that. Yes. My favourite podcast moment... From our year. podcast... <laughs> Uh, it was without a doubt by a country mile Kirk Hamilton coming out from the US to be in our Sydney show. I, that, that made man, me so happy. That man is the, he's essentially the omni-human, like he's the nicest and smartest. When you asked me this week to, to think about that, I realised, I was thinking about Kirk being out and just when he walked on stage and everyone went nuts and I just realised oh, I've got the biggest goofy smile on my face just even thinking about it. Yeah, I know love. I know. Um, so my highlight from the year is like probably a bit darker um, from our podcast. And it is the moment where you chose to tell, um, for the benefit of our entire listenership, the story of how you um, accused me of um, <laughs> feeding a toxic sardine dip to our mutual friends. Without checking with me first. And that was like, it was just, it was educational. I didn't mind. It was bracing. But like, you came to my house for lunch. I made a, I made a sardine dip that was delicious. Technically known as a riette. Very high-end sardine involved. And, um... It was, it was a warm day, and um, <laughs> over the hours, the first batch possibly was visited by some insects. <laughs> and then when we moved on to oh. a, a second location, um, I brought my second batch of sardine riette. But out I of the didn't fridge. realize this. I thought it was the Sales same thought fly that I'd repackaged <laughs> from the, the original fly blown version and just repurposed it. And so, as we drove together to the new location, she, and she got out of the car very quickly, and she fanned out in front of me to warn everybody not to touch <laughs> the dip that I was bringing. <laughs> when she put it down, I went and put it in a really remote location. <laughs> she actually removed it. And she said to the host, mate, I wouldn't touch that, it's more fly than sardine. <laughs> And, <laughs> and then Crab was like later like, what is wrong with you? What, you, what sort of a monster do you think I am? I went, there was a second dip out of the fridge. It was, it was like the JFK assassination. Like, there was a second shooter. Oh. It was in the fridge the whole time. 
Okay. Let's leave that behind and talk about 2024. Oh, I can see why you'd want to leave that behind. On my summer wish list, I'm hoping I get to it, um, Strife, the new binge show with Asha Kenny. Oh, I want to watch that too. Yeah, really looking forward to getting through that. Squid Game Challenge. I I haven't watched Squid Game, but Marina Hyde and... Richard Osman and other people whose opinion I, I respect have told me this is an amazing... And The Traitors. That's on my list now too. Same. Red Traitors also yep. on my list. Yep. Um, Books-wise, the next two books of um, Thursday Murder Club, Tom Lake by Anne Patchett. Read that. So good. Great. Uh, the Year of the Locust by Terry Hayes. I don't know if anyone... You'd have to be a long-time fan of the pod to remember this. I read I Am Pilgrim years ago. It's a great thriller. It kept me. It was one of those books I'd wake up at 2am and go, what the hell's going on in that book and be back into it. He's taken 10 years to write another book and so that is just sitting there good to go. Is that ever a recipe for success though? Sometimes Probably think, not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll soon find out. I don't mean to dampen anyone's enthusiasm. But like... I sense Marina Hyde and Richard Osman are going to become my new two go my new go to recommendations because I also downloaded today Erotic Vagrancy by Roger Lewis that Marina Hyde was talking about. I have downloaded that too because they <laughs> talked about it. Oh my god! But she made is, it sound so good. So, so it's, it's is, the story of Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor, and the way Marina Hyde talked about it, she was like, "It is just the most ridiculous amount of detail about their relationship, and it's just deliciously awesome." And I thought, well, that sounds like a brilliant. It's summer every bit as long as Karen Martini's book about you know food. Oh, is it? It's a big yeah. fat book. She said oh. it's like the biggest fattest book I've ever read. This oh. is Marina oh, speaking. I missed that bit. Oh, how I don't know. Yeah, but she said. Yeah. It's like sheer delight and the, um, <laughs> the title of the book, Erotic Vagrancy, which Richard Osman is kind enough to point out is a really shit title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I necessarily agree, but Marina then responds, well, that title <laughs> is derived from a public statement put out by the Pope when they were filming whatever film it was in Rome and they were just like making out like bandits all over the town. And so the Pope actually wrote a public letter saying, these people are engaging in erotic <laughs> vagrancy all over town. And like, as Marina says, it's an epic sort of account of hungers and you know I think that forgives the title um one thing that I just while we're talking about posh English ladies um should mention is that I read a book by Dolly Alderton called Good Material um on our way home from yeah and you said you gave it it to me and you haven't no you haven't I don't have it you took it I handed it to you you didn't I don't have it I've been cursing you. Every time I go through an airport and I see it, I'm cursing you because I don't have it. I gave it to you. (laughs) You didn't. And that's the show for today. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, it's super good. (laughs) So Dolly Alderton, one half of the Hilo, wrote All I Know About Love, um, which, you know, I quite liked, but this one I really liked. It's called Good Material and it's a dude's account of his breakup with a woman that he didn't quite appreciate enough until she dumped him. And it's like a terrific piece of writing. It's really great. Actually, maybe I do have it. (laughs) I totally gave it to you. After I bought you that beautiful basket that you love. I remember that. And I gave it to you at the airport and said. You did, but then I think it 
I think it couldn't fit in or something, and then you took it back, and then I wasn't sure I got it back. That's but bullshit. But now in my head... That's bullshit. <laughs> I didn't take it back. Now I in gave my it head, to you. I'm, I'm trying to visualise the shelf in my study, which is a real mess, and thinking, it could actually be there. <laughs> anyway, what else for summer? Are you, have you got on your list? Luckily, I have some other things to say. Um, <laughs> I, okay, I'm just going to mention two things, because I know we're out of time. Um... Melissa Lukashenko's new book, um, Eden Glassy, which I'm sure people in this room will have read and I've been looking forward to it for some time. And as of tomorrow, when I don't have to do any more things where I have to talk and be compassmentous, I'm going to collapse with that and I'm going to really enjoy it. Also, um, not sure if it's I'm supposed to say it, but like um, Brie Lee has written a novel... And I've spent the last couple of days just reading it, and it is unbelievably good. Oh. God, is there anything that woman can't do? So it's in manuscript form, and it'll be out early next year. It's called The Work, and it's ridiculously good. Okay. Which is annoying. Um, anyway, <laughs> also looking forward to um, that show on Binge. That what? The Mia Friedman show Oh, yeah, Strife, yep. Um, also, looking forward to the Gauguin exhibition and Associated. Yes, um, next year. Yeah. Here, the NGA. Yeah. Mm. Um, Brian, before we call you back. Brian. We'll be Brian. calling you back. Brian. We've got... Uh, we do have... Why don't you do the honours? Right, so I know that you have a couple more things to say, Brian, do you want to come up and say them because we want to have the last word? Is that possible? Oh, you want to have the last word? Wow, you're acting like it's your place or something. <laughs> All right, well, that's fine. I mean, the thing is that when we were working together, that's a lie, it was mainly me, um, <laughs> planning, no, actually it was Julia. To be fair, Crab has literally done every single thing for this show that it involved any prep. I just wrote my list of favourite things and showed up. So full credit to her for every bit of actually organised content from God. the diploma. You must be very worried about me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. No, I, I, do, I feel a bit bad because she sent the, like, Brian thing. I, I thought this was a cry, of, cry for help. On about Tuesday she sent probably eight verses of the Brian song and she said, here's Schmitness. the eight verses of the Brian song. And uh, I just I, I haven't got the others done. And, and I was like, that's her way of saying, I want you to write the last three verses. And so I then thought, where's Murph? I went to text Murph <laughs> to say, Murph, can you write the last three for this? Because Crab can't do it. And then, and then I felt guilty about jumping it onto Murph. And then I just thought, I can't do it. I'm, I'm not that clever to write them. She's no, got to do I it. No, I didn't want you to do it because I'm Did better you? at it. So I felt like, like, well, I mean, just like, that's what I thought. Fine. I thought you, she is better at it. She just needs to knuckle down and do it. And now let me get back to my novel. I was just, <laughs> I was just showing you that I sometimes can be prepared. It doesn't happen very often. Um, no, I felt bad. But no, um, you, she really has done absolutely everything. Uh, okay. Can Except just... Julia printed some stuff and also organised the badges and did a heap of stuff as well. So probably yeah. all I'm really saying is I did nothing. Everyone else did it. We do have a couple of, like, cool guests in the audience tonight, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, which um, I, like, so... <laughs> there is a lady who we've been, like, communing with all day and, like, her name's Vicky. Like, Vicky, are you... Where are you? 
Can you give us a whoop? Oh, yeah. that's Vicky. Can you stand up? I mean, oh yeah. God, poor Vicky. I mean, you don't have to, but like, hi, Vicky. <laughs> Vicky's been camping, and like her fabulous partner bought her last-minute tickets to the show, but also <laughs> Vicky is like, she's like, oh, um, I can lip read, but I'm hearing impaired, and I'm like. Like, how can I, I can, I've got to seat up the back. So immediately, a thousand chatters are like, I'll swap seats with you. Let's go, Vicky. And then a thousand people then kicked in with um, auditory enhancement devices. And basically, Vicky is now drowning under a pile <laughs> of, you know, devices. Anyway, Vicky, <laughs> it's so cool to have you here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh. bloody chatters. They were like all over Vicky, like flies on a chop to assist. And um, it's awesome to have you here. All right, so we are going to um, just address some remarks to Brian that we were compiling. And when we were trying to work out our closing remarks, we realised that we'd actually said them all already. And so, um, if we may, we would like to present everything that we've already said to Brian, which is pretty much just thank you and sorry. <laughs> Over eight years, effectively. Let's go. Brian. Wow. Brian, Brian. Brian. Wow. Brian, Brian, Brian. <laughs> that was outstanding. Thank you, Brian. Brian, thank you, Brian, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you so much. Brian, pizza's amazing. Thank it you. It was delicious. And Excellent. the potato well, was beautifully uh, cooked. I just noticed all of my awards that I've received this year are here. There's her OBE or whatever it is. What is it? Uh, the Order of Australia. And I sort of, I did, I did you wear I, it? Did I you remember forgot. to put it on? I forgot. But also, I just, I would just, I would feel like a bit of a wanker. Brian Schmidt's wearing his tonight, by the way. Oh. <laughs> so the Canberra show traditionally, as, as um, Brian Schmidt AM <laughs> said. No, no, you're OAM. Okay. Because the, the AC. AM is the super posh Are you one. an AC? Oh, my God. Oh, God, right, okay. That shit just got worse. <laughs> sorry, That's Brian. That's really important. Brian's back. Oh, sorry, we have to hand over to Brian. We do, we do have to hand over to Brian because, because, I mean, you do just defer to the dude with the sorry. Nobel pin, right? Absolutely. Norman's free to join the spree. That's okay by me, but, but there's not for universities. <laughs> sorry, Brian. Sorry, Brian. Yeah, I finished it. But you said you'd wait I for know, me. I couldn't. It was like promising to pull Are out before I ejaculated. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brian. I'm so sorry. Your beautiful theatre. So I guess this is our farewell tour. <laughs> sorry, Brian. I, I feel like I just have a T-shirt on that says, sorry, Brian. Sorry, Brian. Sorry, Brian. Sorry, Brian. Sorry, Brian. I'm so sorry. Sorry, Brian. I'm sorry, Brian. I'm not going to be nice to you again, Brian, but, like, but, but really, we love you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you to my staff and students. Cheers. <laughs> You're forgiven. 
Uh, but you may not yet for, be witty to forgive me. So we are coming to the end of yet another great show here in Llewellyn Hall. And I understand there will be merchandise available in the Athenaeum, is that correct? I will be signing books, but because of Crab's voice, she's excused. <laughs> All right, excellent. So we'll have that in just a second. But before we go, we're going to finish up um, with something uh, interesting, maybe. So we tried really hard to get Kylie Minogue, <laughs> but we failed. And yes, Lee, we do know you have interviewed her. That we do know. <laughs> So, uh, we have the Princess of Pop not here. I did recruit one of my uh, music students, Bianca Jumas, who is doing music and political science. Oh. So this is like work-integrated learning. Fantastic. Classes, so it's part of our stuff. And we are going to do a cover of one of her recent songs, perhaps discussed in your podcast as we finish. So, Bianca, please come out. Hi. <laughs> You know I'm gonna give you 10 out of 10 You know I'm gonna love you, love you to death Baby, all night again and again Yeah You know I'm gonna give you 10 out of 10 That'll be something you won't forget Baby, all night again and again 10 out of 10 Dress, 10 Shoes, 10 Chat, 10 10 out of 10 Dress, 10 Shoes, 10 Chat, 10 10 out of 10. Thank you, Annabelle. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Canberra. <laughs> Bianca. putting up with this podcast, you can find many more episodes on Spotify or wherever you like to listen.